Before we start today's episode, there's something important for agencies seeking a reliable way to attract new business, especially during busy periods. I want to introduce you to Leaflow Sprint. It's an eight-week program that simplifies your marketing and consistently attracts the attention of potential clients without requiring a massive marketing budget or external sales teams. With my 17 years of experience in aiding agencies to gain visibility in new clients, this program offers a practical and effective approach to lead generation. Forget about unpredictable leads and embrace a method that works across different agency sizes. And if you're keen to learn more, you need to visit caffeine.club slash LFS. That's K-A-F-F-E-N dot C-L-U-B forward slash L for Lima, F for Foxtrot, S for Sierra. Now let's get into today's episode. Hi, and welcome to today's Caffeine Espresso podcast. I am really uh, very grateful to be joined today by Melissa Harstein, who is a customer insight strategist who helps creative businesses get more clients. Basically, instead of guessing which messages will convert, she goes straight to the source and talks to their customers to find out what they want and why they buy. These insights naturally lead to deeper relationships, more engaging content, and more sales too. Melissa lives near Kansas City in the USA with her husband, Nate. And in her free time, she enjoys watercolor painting, baking, and blazing through a good book. Me and you too. Welcome, Melissa. Thanks, Charlotte. It's a joy to be here. So I, I should um, give a bit of background here, which is that Melissa and I have worked together recently well not really together because we've not communicated until we've come on this podcast but she's worked on a caffeine project recently um that I um hired some external consultants to to um to handle for me and Melissa is their trusted resource when it comes to um getting those customer insights and putting them into action um in the form of copywriting on this occasion and and so Melissa knows an awful lot about caffeine <laughs> and uh, and my clients as well. She's spoken to some of the people who will be listening in quite a lot of depth and uh, and I'm both intrigued and petrified. Um, but the insights that she shared, I, I honestly, I can vouch for this because I've paid for this service and the insights are invaluable. The Some of it is confirmation um, and a lot of it was stuff that I suspected, but never really knew. And uh, and then some of it just came as a surprise. But the fact I now have a document, the output of the many conversations she had and um, with her expert ability to be able to intuit and ask the right questions to, to lead to the, the yeah, delivery of the uh, most helpful comments from clients really is so incredibly valuable. Uh, Melissa, I promise I'll let you speak. <laughs> um, but basically, I just wanted to say to the audience as well, I've just spoken to Melissa about this. Many years ago, um, when I was back inside an agency, we hired somebody externally to go speak to our decision makers. And they were C-suite level um, marketers. Um, quite scary, if I'm brutally honest. And this external um, customer insight strategist he was basically at their level. He'd previously been one of their peers. And so he had this ability to kind of have these conversations that everyone else was too scared to ask. Even um, the, the leadership of the agency were too scared to ask their clients what they really thought. And I think this is just so common. And I wanted to tell that because 
a lot of the agencies who are going to be listening here are much smaller and they might feel it's unique to smaller agencies that they're scared to ask customers what they really feel but it's not true i think it's it's something that um is abundant across the industry and melissa i'm finally going to let you speak and ask you where do you see this how broad is this issue in terms of not wanting to ask what customers really think you know, I think you're spot on, Charlotte. I think it's everything from a very small solopreneur just starting their journey to multi-million dollar companies. You know, I, I think that especially in the creative field, when the work that we do feels very personal, you know, it's like <clears throat> we put so much of ourselves into our work that it's it feels like we're asking our customers to not only give us feedback, kind of give us a report card on how we're doing with our work. But in some ways it's asking them to kind of judge us, you know what I mean? Because that creative work is so personal. Um, and so I think it gets in the way of people taking the time to talk with their customers and get that feedback. Um, but it really is so incredibly valuable because what happens is when you know exactly what your customers think, how they make buying decisions, what sets you apart from your competitors, um, why they decided at this exact moment in time, like, this is what I need. This is why I'm going to buy it today. Those types of insights can really save you a lot of time when you're doing your marketing, because instead of just trying to guess, like, what do I write in these emails that I'm sending out? What do I say in this cold outreach message I'm sending on LinkedIn? You know what to say because you know who your ideal customer is, not only on the outside, like those, those demographics, um, but also kind of like what I say is like the heart level, you know, how people think, why they behave, what they, what, the way they do, why they believe what they believe, why they want what they want. Um, just digging deeper and deeper. And yeah, just really helps. I think people work smarter, um, not just harder and be more efficient with the time that they do put into their marketing. Good, good to hear. Um, and yeah, I, I was just nodding my head throughout that because I really strongly believe that the, the personal connection to the creative output um, is is both a wonderful thing, but also a block in many areas of marketing a new business. Uh, and it's something shared by many people. And I, yeah, I think we need to get over it, but I think you're offering a, a way to do that. Um, so can you uh, tell us a bit more about um, the customer research that you do, what formats it takes, um, for example, what's the difference between interviews and surveys and, and how do you find the people that you should be speaking to? Yeah, so I always start out with doing at least five customer interviews um, because that allows me to gather enough data to make reasonable conclusions, right? Yeah. If you're just talking to two or three people, um, you know, you might have a hunch, you might have an educated guess, but there's really not enough data to kind of back up that hunch. Um, but I... All, I generally, I have I have pretty strong feelings about surveys. I think they can be valuable in certain circumstances, but I think they often just scratch the surface. You know, it's tell me what social media platforms you're on. Um, you know, tell me when is the last time you thought about buying this thing. You know, it, it's very closed-ended types of questions. Whereas with interviews, you know, it's kind of like a podcast interview right? Like you can ask a follow-up question like, Hey, tell me more about that. Um, why did you do this thing? What was the story behind that? Can you, can you relate to this? Um, asking those follow-up questions really reveal the things that are going to make all the difference. Um, and, and so here's kind of a specific example from one of the clients that I worked with earlier this year. She's a photographer and videographer 
who is also really systems minded and she loves like um, software. And so she now sets up this customer relationship management software for other photographers, basically the software that handles like, you know, new leads, um, like contracts, invoicing, all of that. And what we we found was that her clients had like very much like a seasonal flow to her business, which she already knew, you know, she's like wedding photographers, super busy, at least here in the U S you know, in the spring and summer and, you know, family photographers are super busy in the fall, getting things ready for the holidays, but really her ideal client would hear her speak on a podcast at a conference and go, wow, this is so cool. I could really use help with this. And then tuck it away in their back of the minds and not do anything, not take action. But then all of a sudden, after their busy season slowed down, they're like, I cannot do that again. I was completely overwhelmed. My life was chaos. Like I completely, I missed that, that appointment on my calendar. And so I didn't show up. I got a text like the morning of saying, where are you at? I was like, and like, they were just so scared because they were constantly afraid they were missing out on something. Right. And so what we were able to do with those insights that I pulled out from the interviews is take her marketing from, are you an overwhelmed photographer to, are you a photographer who, you know, you almost missed an appointment because you're the behind the scenes of your business is so completely chaotic. You love the creative work. You got into this business, you know, to do, to shoot photos, but you just know you can't keep going like this. I can help. Do you, do you see kind of that difference in that messaging, right? And it's like, oh my gosh, when someone's reading it, they're like, you're reading my mind. How did you know that? How did you get into my head? This is, this is exactly what I'm struggling with, right? Which ultimately leads to more leads and more sales because people know exactly how you can help them. Absolutely. And, and so how do you identify the people you should be best speaking to? I guess in the case of the photography business, they're normally solopreneurs, I guess, um, but in the company where there's more than one person, who is the, uh, the, the, how do you identify the person that you should be interviewing? Yeah, I like to start with what are the goals for this research project? What are we trying to learn? Um, is the gap in our knowledge that we don't know how like the, the management level employees, like a VP of marketing or product development director, like we don't know how they're making decisions or when they would decide to hire someone like us. Um, so if that's the case, then thinking through who have we worked with in the past that is the type of client that we'd like to work with in the future because it was just a really great fit and kind of running through your client list and like choosing some people that match kind of that profile. Or if you haven't worked with that type of client yet, thinking, okay, who in my network knows this type of person? And can I reach out to that person to ask for a warm intro? And so I think the two key things to kind of know there are one, you have an idea in your mind of what are we trying to learn? Who knows that information? And then also, you know, are they a past client or do we need to reach out to our network to, to meet them? And, and so what should be the proportion of, and does it change project by project, but the proportion of, um, existing clients, ex-clients versus just cold leads who, yeah, never heard of you before. Yeah, I think it does change project by project. You know, if, if you have a pretty steady stream of ideal clients where it's the type of work that you want to be doing, then it's great to like reach out to them. Um, and I, I generally, you know, recommend three to five interviews per customer segment. So in this case, you know, your customer segment may be solely you know, past clients, because you're wanting to optimize 
the marketing you're already doing and get better results with it. However, if there's like a gap in your knowledge, like you're launching a new service and targeting a new type of client in that case, you know, maybe the ratio is you'll talk to two past clients who have some similarities with the type of work you want to do in the future, but really you're going to be reaching out to kind of those cold new people, you know, three to five of those people. So again, it just kind of depends on what your aim is. Um, but I, like I said, at a minimum, three to five interviews per customer segment to really get the, in, the the data that you need to make informed decisions. Okay. Interesting. And I think a lot of people at this point would be thinking, should they be handling this themselves? Should they outsource it to somebody else? Um, and if they, well, actually maybe answer that first. I have a lot of follow-up questions, but it doesn't make sense to bombard them to you. Yeah. I think that it's, usually an ideal situation to outsource it to someone else, whether it's like a dedicated consultant firm like I do, or just to someone else who's not on your immediate team. Because I think that customers will speak more candidly um, to somebody else, especially because, you know, in the back of their minds, like they're like, oh, this person already knows this. Like, you know, it's like when you have this old friend, you have the shared history, you, you can tell an entire story in like two, two words, you know what I mean? Cause there's all that background knowledge. And I think that happens on some level, level with our clients as well. So there is, you know, a, an outside person can kind of dig up unique things that you may not even be aware of because that person may not even think of telling you because they just assume that, you know, yeah, absolutely. That makes complete sense to me. And I'm kind of wrinkling my nose as you're saying that because I, I knew this is something I should have been doing a while ago, but I was scared to do it because of that candidness. But ironically, if I had done it, people wouldn't have been as candid. So, so yeah, I think a, a, a getting an external provider is definitely where I've seen it done best and actually done at all because I think it's just something that will forever be on the to-do list if you, um, if you don't outsource it. So how do you make the request then in a compelling way to get those people to agree to speak with you? In my instance, I should probably preface this with, I know my client's time and, um, and I guess my prospects, the people who aren't already working with me, their time is so valuable as they tend to be really small agencies and the day just seems to whiz by and they, yes, they're super time conscious. I, I felt the need to incentivize it with, um, some time on the telephone with me in exchange for their time with you. Um, so a kind of free consult. Is that something that I shouldn't have done? Or are there other ways in which you see um, good incentivizing of that conversation? Yeah, I think you're spot on there with offering something in exchange for their time, especially when you, like you said, you're working with an audience who is very, very busy, you know, at this point in their career, in their leadership position, or also, you know, if you're just reaching out to more of the cold prospects as well, you'll be more likely to get a yes if you do offer an incentive or thank you, you know, for their time. And, you know, in your case, Charlotte, I think that was brilliant to offer that consulting session with you because it didn't cost you money but it just was a cost of your time. But in exchange, you are building that deeper relationship with them. You know, they're getting kind of a, it's almost like a 
part of your pathway to maybe at some point having them as a client, if they're not currently a client, um, which is really smart. The other things that I recommend, you know, if you're sending out a request email or a request message of some kind is just letting them know, like, this is going to be a 30 minute interview on zoom between now and the end of the month. Are you available? Because when you let them know the exact like time commitment, again, it kind of like subtly checks that off their, their list in their mind. And it's easier for them to say yes. I also recommend, you know, making it really clear, like this is not a sales call. Like you're not going to be pitched. I'm not buying anything. I'm just looking for advice from people like you and you came to mind because of X, Y, Z. And so that last little piece that I said there is like really putting them as like the expert, like you matter. I want to hear your opinion. I want to know what Mm -hmm. you care about. And this is why that level of like specificity and making it about them also like feels really good when you receive a message like that. And I think makes, again, makes it more likely that people will say yes to your interview request. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and when you're in that interview scenario, what are your go-to questions uh, that you recommend asking so you can get the most valuable feedback that then translates into uh, ideas and strategies you can put into place in the business? Yeah, the first question I always recommend asking is, take me back to the day when you first started thinking about upgrading your website. What was going on in your business? right? Because what happens there is you kind of set them in a moment in time, like take me back to the day. Like it it helps them not just, you know, come up with some like theoretical answer, but actually think about what was happening, what was going on. Um, Kind of as a follow-up to that question, I like to ask, you know, what changed to make it a priority at that time, you know, because that shows you, okay, what's actually going on in this moment that they're not just thinking about it, but actually like getting ready to take action and do something, whether it's researching firms, whether it is reaching out to someone, setting up, you know, a consult call, right? It's kind of that, we call it like in my copywriting world, um, you know, buying triggers. Like what is it that makes them most likely to take action? Um, I also recommend, especially if you're talking with a past client, say something like, give me an example of something that you are able to do now that you couldn't do before. And what that kind of shows you is like this before and after transformation, right? It it really gets into like the tangible outcomes and results that you provide for your clients. Um, I mean, it could be an intangible thing too. It just could be their knowledge has changed, but, but you get what I'm saying. Um, because then you can speak to those outcomes in your, your marketing content. Um, and then the last question I always ask, this is going to sound a little bit silly, but is there anything else on your mind today that you'd like to share with me? And it's amazing how many times when I ask that question, people are like, oh no, not really. I think we've covered it all. And then if you like zip your lips for like about five seconds and just let there be this awkward silence, (laughs) they'll usually like speak up and share something that it was like, wow, like that was probably the most hopeful thing that you've said to me in the last 30 minutes. And it's, 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 it's like such a, power question that doesn't seem like it on the surface <laughs> I'd say a power pause there's a reason that therapist is so quiet <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly <laughs> um okay that's so interesting and as you're talking I'm just thinking you know for me the motivation for working with you was um via the intermediary that uh, that we were connected through was that I wanted to better understand how to shape the copy um, when I'm appealing to new customers so they understand that something is the right fit for them. It's so weird. I do copywriting for 
I mean, I've spent all of today copywriting until our phone call, for example, um, on behalf of a client. And, and yet when it comes to my own, and I think this is a block for so many people, it's so hard to, you may even know all the different parts of the puzzle, but aren't able to put them together. And I think um, for me, uh, going through this process, really made each of those components quite distinct so I could focus in on each one of them and expand that out into a piece of material rather than try and cover off everything in the in the same piece. Um, but the one thing that you said as you were speaking then that I think really speaks to my audience who are considering, who might be considering doing this, is that, and they get so tired of me saying this, but I think it's super important for them to prove their return on investment. Um, for clients and everyone says to me oh, you can't prove return on investment for design and and I disagree because I spent the whole day doing an ROI uh, case study on behalf of one of my biggest clients um, I know there is so much data there but it's interesting actually um, we're often as uh, as um, as an agency we're often afraid to ask our clients what the impact of our project has been because we're scared again to get that negative response it's not just the qualitative stuff it's the quantitative stuff that we're really scared to ask but actually the quantitative stuff is the uh the information that is going to be most persuasive to future clients they need to know that you're a safe pair of hands that um their spend with you is going to be double tripled whatever tenfold increase you know all the wonderful things but if we can't nail down to that and so few agencies do even big agencies refuse to uh calculate return on investment refuse to get those uh quantitative results from their clients and as a result aren't as appealing and persuasive as they could be um and it's a joy to me when like the smaller clients who I know it takes a lot of guts for them to go do this to go get those results um, I love it when they listen to me and actually go get them because it makes everything about their presence, their website, their marketing, their outreach so much more powerful. And I can't believe that I've only just realized that is an amazing attribute of working with somebody like you and Melissa, because you can elicit that stuff from clients without that awkward conversation. Um, yes. Anyhow, that was a monologue to say, I've just had that realization and, and how important it was. So kind of spinning on from that, once you have this research, how can you use it to create content that deeply resonates with your prospects? So, you know, I've just mentioned updating the results in the case study, for example, but can you, can you give us some other ways in which it could be applied? Yeah. Let me backtrack just a minute and also say, like, I struggle to ask my clients these exact same questions, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, cause it's like, I'm so close to the data. I, like you said, I can see all the pieces, but I don't know which piece of information is the most important. I don't know how to fit all these pieces together. And I actually had to hire, well, didn't had to, I chose to hire a business consultant about two months ago to help me because I also needed that outside perspective for myself. You know, it's like, the thing that we do for others is often hard for us to do for ourselves. And having that outside perspective is so valuable. Um, so yeah, when it comes to like, how do you actually turn these insights into really great copy that connects with your ideal clients, you know, hearts and minds and, and converts into sales. Um, you know, I think that some of the top level insights are those, those pain points, those motivations to buy. Like I've mentioned a couple of times, what is really top of mind in that exact moment? Because 
that decreases the time that it takes someone to make a decision and say yes to your work, which every time you have a short sales cycle, it just kind of keeps your pipeline full, right? Which I know is a challenge of, you know, how do we consistently have good leads coming in so that we have less of the cease or famine cycle, like less of this up, up and down, if you can meet that potential buyer in that moment. And so what you can do is you can take that knowledge that you have from those interviews and use them on a website headline, you know, instead of saying we are so-and-so design firm, we specialize in this as kind of your top of page, you know, H1 headline, move that a little bit lower on that hero banner, but instead, you know, say something like we help this type of client who's facing this exact struggle get this result, you know, whether it's a tangible ROI outcome or just like a feeling like whatever it is. Um, I think using those insights on your website, top of page is probably one of the highest value places. Um, cause it just kind of instantly says, this is for me, this is not, or really draws them in. I think another place is like when you're developing your content strategy. So if you are posting content on LinkedIn, for example, if you are sending out emails, sometimes it's like, what do I say? I don't know what people want to hear. Or, I mean, again, I do this myself. I have so many half written drafts in my like <laughs> newsletter folder because I start typing and I'm like, I don't know how to explain this in a way that's actually going to make sense to my audience. I don't know what pre-existing knowledge they have about this topic. And is this too over their head? Is this too dumbed down? Is it like something they're even going to find interesting? There's all this like self-doubt and questioning, right? But when you know, because your customers have told you straight from their mouths, you know what it is that they care about. You know what they want to hear. You know how they, how and when they buy, it makes it so much easier to actually put together content in less time. And then again, see better results, see better engagement, better interaction, more leads coming from that. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that my clients are sick of hearing me talk about is scribbling down at the back of their notebook or in the notes section on the phone or whatever, no, whatever's open at the time. Any of the, the questions they regularly get from clients, prospects, the... Um, the sticking points that regularly come up in conversations, the phrases that they hear. Um, because often when people sit down to write their monthly, fortnightly newsletter, I hate the word newsletter, but um, their content, they, um, they're stumped. They don't know what to write about. And invariably they end up writing about something that's of no interest to anybody and is very navel gazing. Like, I don't know, the company drinks or where their new office is situated, which nobody gives a shit about because it doesn't affect anything to do with the work and and so I encourage them to make notes on these points so that they've got something to go back to and be like oh yeah it, it felt like just that person was asking me that but actually it's come from a few of the conversations since that means it's definitely something that we should tackle so we've actually provided something helpful to people rather than just another thing filling up their inbox and yes people may or may not read that they may delete it straight away they may decide to unsubscribe but somebody and I know this for a fact because I do this very same method and I every time I send an email back out I always get at least one back that says thank you you wouldn't believe how much time I've spent in the last week thinking about that it feels so serendipitous that you sent that at that moment and that is somebody who is now super aligned with my business and requires very little pushing over the edge in order to work with me in some capacity even if that's accessing one of my free uh, products um, or you know, three to one-on-one -on -one time with me, I, I just, I see it work so well. And I think it's something that's applicable definitely across all B2B businesses. And as you're speaking, like 
Shit, Melissa is like the source of the, the future content strategy. Like I, I know you said that right at the very beginning, but I hadn't even considered it that way before because I've been so focused on the copywriting in terms of um, the different pages of my website and my own funnel um, where I start engaging um, future clients um, with the caffeine experience. So yeah, there you go. Mind blown, even though you've literally said that about four times to me and I have it sat in a Google Drive. <laughs> um, but you know, I think you're onto something there is that customer research or customer insights, you know, it's not something that most people think about. It's not something that a lot of people are doing, which is part of why I'm so passionate about talking about this topic mm -hmm. and getting the, the message and value out there. But the main thing point I wanted to make here is that it's kind of like a Swiss army knife, right? There's all these different tools that you can pull out to apply in different circumstances. And each time you use a different tool, you're like, wow, I didn't know it could do that. You know, I didn't know, realize that this customer insights document could help me guide, create my content strategy. I didn't realize, you know, I could, when I'm struggling to find that exact word or that exact phrase for this LinkedIn post that I'm trying to copyright, I can go to the document for inspiration and say, oh, here's something that my, my customer said, I can pull those words. I can pull that language over here. Um, you know, it can be used to make business decisions of like our offer isn't selling quite as good as we think it could be. So what's off? Like, where is the message not resonating with our ideal customer? Or maybe you're getting a lot of leads, but they're not a good fit because you have changed the type of client that you want to serve. You're reaching a different, a new, a new target demographic. You're reaching a different, just more, established or I guess elevated, like a bigger company, right? But your marketing and messaging is still going out to this person you used to serve. So it's not resonating, right? There's all these different scenarios when you can go to, like your customers have the answers. I think that's what it is. You know, it's like bringing together your intuition, your knowledge, your experience, your vision, your language with what your customers have to say. I often describe it like this Venn diagram or that overlap in the middle, like that's that sweet spot. And if you can speak in that over, speak to and from that overlap between who you are and who your customers are, like that's really where that magic and that power happens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so many applications. Like I, I, I'm gonna go straight back through that document after this and write down all the different ways I could be using this. Um, so I know on the um, the pre-recorded chat, we, you mentioned demographics versus psychographics. Can you talk us a bit through what that means for you in the context of um, your role? Yeah, the reason I wanted to bring this up is I think this is where some business owners kind of fall short where they stop too soon. If they are doing any kind of this customer research, it often ends up being like, like, let me actually back up. <laughs> Demographics are kind of the external qualities that you can observe, right? My ideal client is a B2B company in the financial FinTech market, who is a VP of whatever, you know what I mean? Um, they like to drink Starbucks before work. They go to this particular pub after work, you know, like more of those external things that don't really indicate buying behavior. Like that's just the starting point, but psychographics are really getting into the what and the why. And so I often recommend, you know, five, five degrees of why, like, well, why does this person, you know, want this new website, for example? Well, it's because they have these growth goals, these sales goals, and they're not reaching them. Well, why are, why are they not reaching them? How does a website help with that? Well, it's because their website is outdated. It makes them look a little bit like, 
not as, not as qualified as their competitors. Well, give me a specific example of that. Why is that such a big problem right now? Well, it's because we lost a deal last week because our, our client, our prospective client chose our competitor, right? Like it's, it's digging it like deeper and deeper into deeper. Well, why this, why this, why this? And that's really, again, where the most transformative marketing content, whether it's proposals, whether it's, you know, content strategy, whether it's copy, whether it's business decisions, like getting into those demographics is, is the most important thing. And I get, I, I see these buyer personas again, that are just really flat, but there's so much value in just taking that time to dig deeper. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Fascinating. And I can see that in the results that we've received and yeah, understanding the motivations. I can almost hear the clients saying those words as, uh, as I'm reading them on the page. Um, and it puts me there in that moment and understands their mindset and, and where that's come from better. Um, so I can serve them better. Uh, okay. So I, we've talked about other ways in which customer research can help creative businesses making strategic business decisions. Uh, one of the things I was thinking as you were, as you were talking was actually understanding um, speaking to you, customers can help you understand what other areas they're not currently getting serviced by other people and definitely not by you. And in which case, if you're thinking about expansion, where you might move. Melissa, I'm conscious of time and you've been so generous with yours today. Can you tell us a little bit about what people should do if they're listening and they want to take the next step with this? Yeah, there's two things. Um, number one, you can visit my website at melissaharstein.com. And there's a green button in the top right that says book a call. I'd love to just chat and hear about what's happening in your business. You know, where you feel like you're spinning your wheels with um, creating your content strategy or, you know, attracting qualified leads versus just any old person. Um, and the best way to do that is just book a call, as I mentioned on my website, melissaharstein.com. Secondly, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, also my, just my name, Melissa Harstein. Um, but if you send me a DM and say, hello, I love chatting with people. Um, I have like this little video. That's an example of a real customer interview that I can share with you. Because again, I know sometimes it's so intimidating. Like, how do I even get started with this? What kind of questions do I ask? You know, what if my question comes out of my mouth all jumbly and I'm embarrassed, right? Like, what do I do in that situation? That's why I created this little video, um, to help kind of quash some of those fears. So I'd love to share that with you. So just send me a little hello message on LinkedIn. Amazing. Well, thank you again so much for your time today, Melissa. I am going straight back into my Google Docs and um, through the document that you so hopefully pulled together and figure out where else I can apply it because I'm sure there's about five years of, <laughs> of strategy in there. Um, thank you very much. Thanks, Charlotte. It's been a joy to be here. Just before we wrap up, I want to touch on a crucial opportunity for your agency's growth. As a creative agency, your primary focus should be on delivering exceptional work, not getting bogged down in sales and marketing. And that's where Leadflow Sprint comes in. It's an eight-week program designed to streamline your lead generation process, bringing in a steady flow of potential clients to you. No more struggling with the ups and downs of trying to gain the attention of new business. Our program includes hands-on support, including direct input on your copywriting, ensuring a bespoke approach to your lead generation needs. No more feeling stuck in the feast or famine cycle. Our real-time support, including direct feedback on tasks like copywriting, helps you to bid farewell to inconsistently and embrace a lead generation system that's tailored to your unique needs. Visit caffeine.club slash LFS 
That's K-A-F-F-E-N dot C-L-U-B forward slash L for Lima, F for Foxtrot, S for Sierra.